Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. If you ever needed to have a synopsis of this Christmas season, today's your day. First Pres Associate Pastor Tim Shaw has the quick review, the elevator pitch, if you will. As we are in the midst of this Christmas season, enjoy the message in this sermon, The Meaning of Christmas. Uh, good morning again. My name is Tim Shaw, one of the associate pastors here, and just a uh, Merry Christmas to all of you. And uh, you know, sometimes this time of year we're reminded about how important it is that we have a solid foundation on which we can really build our lives. Um, we do know, need to know what we can count on. Uh, we need to know who and what we can trust. So that's why Elf is one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> One thing you need to know about me is I have a very low entertainment threshold. <laughs> I am easily entertained. Um, so uh, that explains my love for this movie. Um, elf is a story of Buddy, that's Buddy the Elf, uh, a human being, obviously, who was raised by an elf at the North Pole. And now he's on a quest to meet his biological father, who lives in New York City. And this is his first trip to the Big Apple, obviously, his first ride on an escalator, obviously. Here's a spoiler alert. You know, I don't really feel bad about telling you how this ends. You should have seen this by now. <laughs> but if you haven't, and want to plug your ears, um, I'll, I'll kind of whisper it. There's a happy ending. <laughs> uh, some Christmas spirit is restored, thanks to Buddy. And Santa's sleigh takes flight right out of Central Park and flies down the streets of Manhattan at the end. So there's a happy ending. Well, this morning, I am going to play the part of Buddy the Elf, minus the yellow tights, uh, and see if I can point all of us to something that is real, something we can really trust and hopefully ignite some Christmas spirit in us today. So if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? From 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. John writes, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, we write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This amazing text from John's first letter uh, does not tell us about what happened at Christmas. There's no mention of shepherds or angels or wise men. This passage does not tell us what happened at Christmas. John tells us what the events of Christmas mean. And what I want to suggest to us today is that the events of that first Christmas and the life and the death of that child that was born in that manger is going to show us what Christmas is all about and it's going to give us hope. What I want to suggest is the Events of that first Christmas and the life of that child born in Bethlehem, his life, his death, his resurrection, are a solid foundation on which you and I can build our lives no matter what the current circumstances 
of our lives might be. So here's the first thing this passage from 1 John teaches us. Christmas tells us this amazing good news that salvation is a gift. This text tells us that salvation is a gift. In fact, you're not going to receive a more spectacular gift on Wednesday morning than this one that I'm talking about. This gift that comes to us by God himself. The gift of salvation is a gift given to us by sheer grace. Everlasting life with God has been made possible because of the faithfulness of that child born in the manger and not because of our faithfulness. Let me make sure you really heard what I just said. Life with God forever is possible not because of anything we have done or could ever do. It is possible. Life with God, salvation, because of what God himself has done for the world. We are forgiven by God, welcomed into a relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit when we simply receive the gift he is offering us. This is the most amazing gift you and I will ever receive. And that gift is wrapped up in a person, in the person Jesus Christ. First John does not say that Jesus has life or that he gives life, but both are true. It says that Jesus is life. He is the word of life. The life that we're talking about is the very life of God. And that life never ends. One of the things that makes Christianity absolutely unique among world religions is what it says about how one achieves salvation. Christianity teaches us something that is wholly unique. Christianity shows us that Jesus is not just a great prophet who points to how we can save ourselves. Jesus Christ, according to Christmas, is God himself who has come to save us. He has come to our planet born as a baby, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Christmas tells us that God came to rescue us. Let's think about that for a moment. If you're having a difficulty today believing that your life matters, let me tell you this. Your life matters to God. Because God came to this earth to save us, to rescue us. Our God is a little bit like the U.S. Coast Guard who comes to our rescue because we can't save ourselves. Our God is a God who sends everything he's got, helicopters with rescue swimmers on board, rescue ships who risk it all to save us, no questions asked, no matter what we did to get ourselves in that life-threatening predicament. That's what the Coast Guard does, and our God is a little bit like that. What I want to talk to you about today is that there's really three different ways that you and I can try to save ourselves, achieve the things we think we need uh, to secure our lives. Two of those ways are really self-salvation projects that are focused on what we're going to do to put things right in our own lives. The third salvation project is, in my humble opinion, the only really way to be saved. Okay, let's talk about this for a few moments. If you're a person sitting here today uh, thinking to yourself, What in the world is this preacher talking about? I don't need saving, and even if I did, I don't need anybody's help to do that. If that's you this morning, then you're left with trying to work on some sort of self-salvation project. 
And there are two strategies that you can try. And from my experience, and I think from the experience of countless other people, uh, they, both of those strategies end in failure. If we're not interested in receiving the help of the Heavenly Coast Guard, uh, we can try to save ourselves in one or two ways or some combination of the two. As Pastor Tim Keller puts it, we try to save ourselves either by being very, very bad, it's a bit of an overstatement on his part, by being very, very bad, and what he means by that is we can try to live our lives doing whatever we think we need to do to get what we think we need to make our lives secure. And the other way that we can try to save ourselves uh, that ends in utter frustration and failure is by trying to be very, very good. And what he means by that is that we try to live our lives by keeping all the rules and doing all the right things and thinking that when we can do that, our good deeds are going to outweigh our bad deeds and God is going to hopefully accept us. And based on my personal uh, experience, both of those strategies don't really work. The truth is that all of us, I think, flirt with both of those strategies uh, even if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We do that because we, we really have a hard time really trusting what Christmas can teach us. Christmas has some really good news for us if we're ready to abandon our efforts at saving ourselves. And John, the disciple of Jesus who writes this letter, is challenging us to believe what he has to say about his eyewitness encounter with the one he calls the word of life. 1 John 1, uh, is, John is making what sounds like a deposition. It's like he sees himself in a courtroom. He's saying, here, my friends, is what we saw with our eyes. Here's what we heard from him who, with our ears, and here's, we actually touched him with our hands. That is John's testimony uh, to what he and his friends actually experienced. They saw and heard and touched God in human flesh. That's John's testimony. If Christmas is just a nice story that we like to celebrate each year, but it's not really true, uh, then we really are on our own. But if it is true, and John is testifying to the fact that it is indeed true, then the incredible good news of Christmas is that we can be saved by grace. We can give up on our self-salvation efforts and simply trust what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that it was enough to save us. That's the third way of salvation, and actually I think it's the only real way of salvation. You and I are invited to abandon all of our self-salvation projects and put our weight down on what Jesus has done for us, and finally begin to be at peace. The peace that the angels announced to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born is a peace with God. It's a peace that we can experience deep within ourselves. And it is a peace that can develop between us and other people. If we trust in the faithfulness of Jesus, if we can put our faith in his faithfulness, we can be saved. We don't need to try to be good enough. Christmas tells us that salvation is offered to the world as a gift. The second thing that this text tells us about the meaning of Christmas is that love is actually real. And God wants to be in a relationship of love with us. Christmas means that God has gone to infinite lengths to make friends with you and me. 
It's actually more amazing than that. Christmas tells us that God was not content with being a concept that we needed to believe in or a force to be feared. He wants to be in an intimate relationship with you and me. He wants us in his family. He is ready to adopt us as his very own daughters and sons. That is simply staggering, but that is what Christmas means. God has stepped out of heaven to be born in our world to a poor family to save us. God wants to make a way for us to know him. But here's the problem that God faced. He knows that we can't have direct access to God just on our own. Moses discovered that when he asked God to show him his glory. And God said, no can do, Mo. Not going to happen. If I do that, you're going to be vaporized. You can't handle it. We can't look at God directly. It's like looking at the sun, that burning ball at the center of the solar system. If you try to do that, it will burn your retina. I recently had my annual eye exam. For those of you who have had that experience, you may have had the experience that I had, which was to have your eyes dilated. Uh, And so after the procedure was over, I needed to drive home, but I forgot to bring sunglasses with me. And I was too proud to ask for those big old, you know, filters to wear. So as I pulled out of the parking garage at Queens, the sun was shining off a white car that was right in front of me. It was almost unbearable. The reflection was so bright. That experience is a little bit like what it would, we would experience if we tried to look directly at God. To see God, we must see him through a filter. And Jesus Christ is that filter. He is the one who enables us to see what God is like. Earlier in the service, we sang that amazing Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. In one of the verses, we sang, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That's a very perceptive theological insight by Charles Wesley, the author of those words. God came to earth clothed in human flesh. But the fact that he was veiled in human flesh suddenly made God visible. The incarnation of Jesus did not hide God from human view. God's character, his heart, was now visible in Jesus. In Jesus, we can connect with God. We can relate to him. This is the one who became one of us. God wants to be in a relationship with us, and Jesus Christ made that relationship possible. He paid the price for our sins so that we might be clothed in Jesus' very own righteousness and perfection. What Jesus did for us is what makes it possible for us to be in a relationship with an absolutely perfect and holy God. We get to trade all of our sins, all of the junk in our lives, for Christ's perfection, for his righteousness. And that trade happens when we simply trust Jesus to save us. God is telling us in the events of Christmas that he wants to be in a relationship with us. Christmas shows us that love is real and that God's love can heal the busted up parts of our lives. And lots of times, as Diane so beautifully illustrated, God wants to heal us through others. So if you're not in a small group, um, let me encourage you to join one or start one. We can help you do that. In the first chapter of John's gospel, in the pa- in, in, and in this passage that we're looking at, 
from John's first letter, he makes the case that love is real. Both of these passages teach us something incredibly important for us to understand. In John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus, the Son of God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The good news of the gospel today, the good news of Christmas today, is that if you're in a difficult, dark place, the light that Jesus brings will not be overcome by that darkness. That light will overcome that darkness. What John is asserting is that from, from before the beginning of time, God already existed as a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three persons make up our one God. They have existed in relationship with one another for eternity. Christianity teaches that the, rea- that the, reality, that this is at the, the reality that's at the center of the universe is a relationship of love. Can you even imagine how intense that love is that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? For all of eternity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have loved each other. One God in three persons. This is a revolutionary idea among religious thought. Christianity tells us that God is love and that love has always existed. And it is out of that relationship of love between the Father, Son, and Spirit that God created the world. Love existed before the world was created. In fact, love created the world, and love is at work redeeming the world today. Why did God come to earth at Christmas? Why did he choose to be born as a baby, to suffer and to die? It was his love that compelled God to come to earth to rescue us. So Christmas tells us that love is real. And God shows that love is real by stepping into the broken human story. The God of love who created the world, the one who knows that we are struggling as human beings, stepped into our world to show us his love. Christmas tells us that love is real. And finally, the third thing that Christmas tells us is that joy is really possible. John says the whole purpose for writing these words is so that his joy and our joy might be complete. He writes, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So I think if you and I can believe what I've just been talking about for the the last 20 minutes, if we can really believe it, to trust it, then joy just might be able to break out in our lives. Joy is something quite different than happiness. Happiness has to do with what's happening in our lives. Joy is something that has its source in God, and that source is reliable and does not change. So Christmas can give us every reason to trust that the reasons for joy are indeed grounded in things that are absolutely trustworthy. We can put the full weight of our lives down on the faithfulness of Jesus, 
all of our hurts and failures, our mistakes and even our accomplishments, and rest it all on the faithfulness of Jesus, that child born in that manger. Because Christmas means that salvation is by grace. We don't have to earn it. We can just receive it as a gift. Christmas tells us that God wanted to, us to have, a, have an intimate relationship with us. And he's gone to infinite lengths to make that relationship possible. So we can draw close to him. Because he has drawn close and is drawing close to us now. And Christmas can begin to make us whole. Because love actually is real. It's not an illusion. Because God is indeed a God who is love. So this Christmas, there is reason for joy. That little girl standing on the shore of Lake Geneva knew that what she was watching was, that's not real. It was super well done, but it wasn't real. John is telling us that what he's talking about is real. I've heard the word of life. I've seen him. I've touched him with my hands, the author of life. And he has good news for all of us. Our personal circumstances today may not be what we had hoped they might be. But there is still reason for hope, for joy, and for peace this Christmas. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are forgiven. We belong to Christ. And he is here and wants to show us the depth of his love. No matter what we're facing, there is reason for joy, reason for peace, as we rest in what God has done and is doing for us. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Let's pray together. But God, we pray that you would open our eyes, that you would help us to see the reality of your presence, your grace, your love, your mercy, that you, a God of perfection, holiness, one that we could not approach on our own, has made a way. You yourself came and made a way so that we might be in a relationship of love with you. And that relationship is a gift of grace. So God, we do receive that gift of grace with gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to talk or to pray with someone after the service, members of our prayer team and staff would be up front here and be happy to talk and to pray with you. Now receive this blessing. Now to God who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and honor both now and forevermore. God's people said, Amen. The Christmas season is known as a time of love. It started with the greatest act of love from God when he sent Jesus to be born on this earth and to be sin for us all. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services too on campus at 45550 Keona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 
We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. If you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, Merry Christmas, God bless you, and thanks for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.